come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my world. Let me lead you into it. Let me take you into the mind of a woman Candyman? Candyman. 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 Hi, and welcome to Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good girl's guide to horror. I'm your polterguide, Kinsey. I'm your polterguide, Donna. And I'm your polterguide, Adrian. And polterguide, Debbie, she was doing something in the mirror. She kept saying a name, like... Yeah, I think she'll be back any moment now. Yeah. She'll be back any moment It'll be now. fine. Uh, so this week we watched the 1992 film Candyman. And for those of you that don't... Was it 92 or 95? 92. 92. I would say that said 95. Yeah, it's 92. And I thought, I thought 95 was wrong because I was like, no, I feel like this has been part of my life much longer than that. <laughs> now, the Farewell to the Flesh, the sequel might have been 95. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That must be it. Uh, now, for those of you that don't know what it is about... It is. I think it's a mo- modern retelling of the Dracula story with Virginia Madsen playing Mina. Okay. I'm, I'm for that, actually. Yeah. Uh, I think IMDb is going to disagree with both uh-huh. of you. They say, The Candyman, a murderous soul with a hook for a hand, is accidentally summoned to reality by a skeptic grad student researching the monster's myth. Accidentally is being used broadly there. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Accidentally, in that I very specifically and purposefully did the ritual for summoning this guy. Just didn't believe it would happen, but it wasn't accidentally. Yeah. No, there was definitely intent there. Um, So I guess let's go around. If you'd seen it, let's find out. Did you like it? Did you not like Mm -hmm. it? And if, like, Don, I don't know if you've seen this before. I have not seen it before. This was my first time. Um, I. Liked it in that I sat there and it had my full attention the entire time. Um, but at no point did I feel like I had a really good grasp on what the fuck was going on. That's fair. Agree entirely. Um, I have seen it before. Not for a while, but like this was definitely in the, in the, the reel of movies that were my childhood. <laughs> um, but, um, and you know, like there are, often movies that I did not get when I was a kid and I watch them now and I'm like, Oh, I see these things were just, they they went over my head, but I get it now. Uh, And I thought that this would be one of the movies like that. And it was not, Uh, I was still like, wait, what? It was sort of like watching, um, that Harrison Ford and Aja, whatever his name is, Orson Scott card. Everybody read the book when they were in middle school. Ender's Game. It felt a little bit like that movie where when I was watching Ender's Game, I thought, man, I'm real glad I've read this because otherwise none of this would make any sense. And while watching um, The Candyman, I thought the same thing where I was just like, I feel like I'm missing something. So then whenever I re-remembered that it was based on a short story, I was like, I'm going to go read that. And I did that and it doesn't make any more sense. Okay. Okay. Uh, I also spent an awful lot of time watching it, wondering what Jordan Peele's take on it was going to be. I'm so excited because for that. there's a lot of racial stuff. I want to get in into that this podcast. Yeah, we, we definitely will. Yeah, uh, this is one, and actually, you guys bringing up the racial kind of brings into part of my thoughts on it. I, this is what I remember seeing growing up, and I watched it, and I had a lot of love for it. Uh, going back and rewatching it now, 
it's kind of problematic. Like, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being nice, but it's 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 very problematic with the whole white savior thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I like it, but there's like an asterisk by it, and yeah. that it's I like it because of Tony Todd. Yeah. And I think then we should that should be let's let's get into it then. <laughs> Quick aside, apparently Eddie Murphy was also up for the role. Oh. And the two main factors in Tony Todd getting it were that Tony Todd is tall as fuck. Yeah. And uh, Eddie Murphy wanted more money than Tony Todd did. But also, as I was, my my partner and I were talking about that, and I was just like, they knew that there were other black actors in the 90s. Or was it just like, oh, we need a black dude, let's get Eddie Murphy. Like, Will Smith is too young right now, so <laughs> Eddie Murphy is our only other possible option. They might have been looking at getting... Uh... A wider audience. I think if Murphy had been brought to it, I'm not saying he would have worked, but I'm thinking I cannot imagine that movie. <laughs> I can't either. But I think that's more where they were going with it. Yeah, that makes sense. But I just, man, I, I, I try. It would have definitely been a different movie with Eddie Murphy. Yeah, Tony Top Guy, like, man, sorry. Let's. His no. voice is so hot. I, well, I think that's just the power of him as an actor. Like, yeah. I mean, he has a presence and he has a voice and you cannot take your eyes off him. No. He is hypnotic. He's magnetic. He is what you want Candyman to be. Mm. And I think casting him was brilliant. Just One yeah. thing that I found out that I thought was interesting is he had a thing in his contract about getting more money per beasting. Uh, I remember reading that. Um, because that's, uh, particularly the scene with the bees in his mouth, there's legitimately bees in his mouth. Mm-hmm. He's got like a dental dam on to block them from going down his throat. Uh, he got $23,000 out of bee stings. Mm-hmm. And I think it was $1,000 a bee sting, right? I think right? so. Yeah, so he got 23 bee stings over the course of, man, man, good thing he's not allergic. The main actress is allergic. Virginia Madsen? yeah. And when Bernard Rose asked her to be the lead, because she wasn't originally going to be the lead, somebody else was the lead, but then that somebody else got pregnant, and they were like, oh, you can't do this movie now. (laughs) Uh, So uh, Virginia Madsen stepped in the role, although Sandra Bullock was considered. See, I think that's another one that would be such weird energy. (laughs) would be. Like, especially you thinking that time of 90s Sandra Bullock, like... It was 92, so it was before Speed. Yeah, but she's still, though, that... You got Speed, Demolition Man, because... I think it was before all of those. Oh, I mean, I know it's before all of those, but I just think (laughs) it is a different energy from how she is in those two films. Like, I mean, maybe Sandra Bullock today, but I don't know about 90 Sandra Bullock. (laughs) Virginia Madsen is very... She's very sexual. And Sandra Bullock carries... I mean, is absolutely beautiful, carries a very girl-next-door energy. So it definitely would have changed the um, feeling of Mm -hmm. the movie. But yeah, so when he asked her to step in as the lead, Uh, uh, she was like, I can't. I'm allergic to bees. And he was like, you're not allergic. (laughs) You're just scared. And so she had to go to a doctor to get like proof that she was allergic. Oh, Jesus Christ. And the doctor was like, well, actually, you're more allergic to wasps, but apparently bees are in there. And so then Bernard was like, "Eh, we'll just have paramedics on site. Oh, God. And then she was like, and then actors will do anything for a paycheck. So I said, yes. Okay. All right. Men. Fucking men. <laughs> um, that could be a tagline for this movie. Fucking men. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Oh, we are well into spoiler territory, aren't we? Oh, yeah, we're totally in spoiler territory. So, I'm just going to go straight to the elephant in the room for me. Who the fuck would ever trust Xander Berkeley in any situation, ever? I mean, there was, uh, right up until the very end, I was convinced that Xander Berkeley had actually committed the murders. I was, I was like, yes, he actually did it to frame her so he could sleep with his student. That's what actually happened. Well, she was definitely his student. Oh, yeah. Because she was an undergrad. Or she was graduate. She was a graduate. She was a graduate. Yeah, she was, yeah, she was a grad student. Mm-hmm. And then he was with an undergrad. Yeah. But she's his wife, which implies that their relationship has been mm-hmm. going on for a while. Like, for instance... When she was an undergrad. Yeah. Well, you saw the picture, and it's a real quick pan uh-huh. of her, uh, I want to say, like, lacrosse or croquet. Uh-huh. Uh, she's got longer hair. You can definitely yeah. tell she is young. Yeah, that was a young. Mm-hmm. And that this is not unusual for him to right. pray like so, that. So, yeah. Xander Berkeley not to be trusted in any circumstances. What was funny is, so, we watched it, and... Billy hadn't seen it in forever. And so when Xander Berkeley shows up, he's like, that fucking guy? <laughs> and I'm like, yup. When we got to the scene with the, um, with the psychiatrist, psychologist in the, in the institution, I was like, oh, it's that guy. And, uh, and my partner was like, no, it's not. You think it's George Costanza, Costanza and it's not him. And I was like, no, no, it's the guy that I always think is George Costanza, but never is. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You know his name is not George Costanza, right? What? (laughs) (laughs) It's something Alex, right? Alex Um, Jason Alexander. Jason Alexander, thank you. George Costanza. (laughs) (sighs) Um, So, Philip Glass fucking killed it with the music on this movie. It is Mm -hmm. so goddamn extra at every moment. It really lends to that Dracula feel. And apparently, he was all in for this music, and then he saw the movie, and he was like... Ugh. And but he's turned around on it. I guess in an interview or something, they asked him what he thought of it now, and he was like, "Well, I still get a paycheck for it, so I guess it's pretty good." <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say, I think there are parts of this film that do hold up, and there are parts that no, it doesn't. But I think with the music, that's always going to hold up. That yeah, is, the music was good. It's so classic horror movie. Like even though it's super eighties with synth and shit, mm-hmm. like it's still got like that organ. So that was a really bad impression, but like yeah, actually the 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 most intense parts really made me think of Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Do we want to just go ahead and talk about the racial stuff? Yeah, we might as well. Yeah. So I think I, that's the real elephant in the room. Is I feel like I should mention that we are three white presenting mm-hmm. emphasis white presenting. People having this conversation. But boy, apparently where black people live is the scariest place on earth. It was the 90s. So I was thinking like, you know, in the 80s we had the satanic panic. And in the 90s, now I was I was a kid, but there were, they were always warning us about gangs and yeah. gang violence. Gang initiation. New gang initiation. Yeah, like every other minute. It was like, watch out for this, gang initiation. And I never lived in a particularly good part of town. And I was like, like at one point I was like, am I just so uncool that even the gangs don't want me? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which, I mean, TVH is entirely possible. But, um, and I'm sure that it, like, there were... If I were in a gang, I would want to hear. I think, isn't isn't that what we are? Oh, we are. are, Yes, we are a gang. Okay. (laughs) Like, Donna, you recruited all of us. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, wasn't the initiation watching a whole lot of scary things? Okay. <laughs> you know, so I'm sure that there was more violence in bigger cities mm-hmm. than the one that, that I lived in. But I, the way that people told the stories, it was like, if you walk home from school, you will be approached by people wanting you to murder somebody yeah. or to get high with them. and Or just to kill you. Or just to kill you. Because that's their initiation. Yeah, exactly. And so I wondered some if this movie was doing it it was was playing on that as part of the urban legend theme uh-huh. of the movie because yeah. so much of that gang stuff was like urban legendy like my friend's brother best friend uh flashed his headlights at a guy who didn't have his headlights on and then they shot him or whatever you know uh-huh. so i wondered if they were intentionally playing on that level of urban legendary or if they were just playing into the gang panic of the 90s I think they're playing into the gang panic of the 90s only because we do the white savior later. Like, uh-huh. look at these poor people in Cabrini Green. You know, they, they, oh man. So that's the only reason. Oh shit, it was a white savior. When you first said white savior, I was like, no. I but mean, no, it absolutely was. It absolutely was. I was going to say, Donna, when the fucking and credits she died roll, for them. She, she died. She died for them. And when the credits fucking roll, they have painted her as an actual savior angel. Yeah, it's like a, she's a fucking saint on the wall now. Okay. I like, I like your idea. I of, like my idea, too. <laughs> but... <laughs> You're also giving them a lot more credit than they deserve, I think. I feel like this movie was trying to tackle a lot of themes that they were not fucking ready to handle. Yeah. Like, listen to Tony Todd more or have literally one more black person. I don't know. Like, you had plenty of black people there. Like, what did they say? Well, I mean, and then they do the other trope where her friend, who the whole time, let's not do this. Let's not go to Cabrini Green. Let's not do this. They have her killed as well. She's actually the first real person that you see killed in this film. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like, really? With the worst death makeup in the fucking world, what the fuck was that shit? I don't know. Like, you don't paint a black woman blue for death. Like, like No, it was bad. Powder fucking blue. What the <laughs> shit? It was bad. I, oh God, that was like 70s Nazi zombie movie level bullshit on her. Yeah, it was, it was bad. Maybe, like, I don't know which is worse. The death makeup on her or the male stunt double in the fucking bonfire at the end with the literal old lady gray wig. That is bad, but I'll I'll raise that and I'll see you the bald cap Virginia Madsen wears at the end of the film where you see the fucking edges on her face <sighs> and where it's not glued down. Where was, where was Todd Savini at this point? Well, what was he doing? Yeah. Was he busy? Like, get your shit together, movie. I don't think they could afford him. I really... (laughs) Because they had to pay Tony Todd for all those bee stings. That's right. (laughs) I mean, and that's fine. He earned... He earned that money. He earned that money. I am not mad at him for getting his money, but... I, I, when it worked, when the effects worked, was when you didn't have time to dwell on it. Yeah. Where you could just see flash here, flash there, but stunt double was bad, ball cap was bad... Were there no female stunt people in the 90s? Maybe ones that wouldn't do fire. I just, like, I, like we were watching and I was like, that is a legitimately guy. That is not even remotely her. 
in the least. There's nothing you can do that's going to make that look like her. There's no angle. There's no pulling away. Yeah. No, it was it was bad. And the wig. Oh, God. Sorry. Ugh. See, like I said, you were focused <laughs> on the wig cap, and mine was the bald cap, because I'm seeing the edges flap. And I'm, I'm having problems with that. I watched, I've seen too much face-off. I can't do it, like, five seconds. Like, that bald cap didn't need to happen. The wig, I'm like, I don't know, I guess you were like, oh, fuck. This, this male stunt double has short hair. Somebody run to Party City real quick. So... There's a line that really bothered me whenever she's like, you promised you wouldn't do your urban legend talk until next semester. And first off, it implies that the class is going to be the same the next semester. Like the people are all going to be there, which isn't how college works as far as I know. There are some two semester courses, but it's not going to be a fucking urban legend course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I I assume that this isn't an urban legend class, Mm -hmm. but they're just talking about urban legends, which then leads me to go back to what kind of class would you be in that's two semesters that's going to cover urban legends? Mm. Some sort of sociology class. I guess so. Mm -hmm. Anyway. But but then he says, well, it's my class. I have to follow the curriculum. You can't be mad at me. And I'm like... Well, she can be mad if you promised. Like, if you promised. Yeah. I think she gets to be mad. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure he's had a lot of buildup before that, because he's a shit anyway. So this may have just been... Yeah. Um, My thing that I took away from the class setting Mm -hmm. was, uh, man, I wish someone had told me that I could have majored in urban folklore or just folklore in college when I was in college, Mm -hmm. because I feel like I would have had a different college experience. (laughs) There was a class I tried to get into when I was in college, and it was full, and I couldn't get into it, but I attended basically the first day of lecture, and it was so impactful. Just the first day of lecture on urban legends, uh, where he talked about how they're, you know, they're all morality tales, and they're all stories about how the the little woman shouldn't go off to the big city and live by herself because it's a scary world that wants to kill her. And it was, yeah, just I attended one lecture of a class I couldn't get into, and was like, Holy shit. This is amazing. They're the modern fairy tales. They they serve the exact same function that fairy tales Mm -hmm. did. He talked about the one where the the woman gets home and finds her dog choking. And so she takes the dog to the Mm -hmm. vet. And then the vet calls her and says, get out of the house. They're black fingers. Oh, I never heard it being black. I'd always just heard it being fingers. Oh, no. The full full lecture is like the, the dog was choking on fingers and they're black. Oh, get out of the house. But that kind of goes in with our whole... Yeah. I found the race politics of the movie really interesting to begin with. Yeah. Because if you look, all of the darker-skinned black people are either in Cabrini Green or they're in um, service positions. Yeah. They're the... Because, the... yeah, there's Bernadette, but... She's she's very light-skinned. She's, in fact, there was one point where they talked about people being white, and I was like, oh, are they talking about Bernadette? She's very light Um, So I feel like they started from such a really interesting place, and they just didn't follow through. I don't think they knew how to follow through. I think that's... In the the, 90s, this knowledge was not available. Yeah. (laughs) I I think they they wanted to, and they're like, oh, we're, you know, but I don't think they... Super excited to see what Jordan Peele's going to do. He's not doing it, he's producing it. He wrote it. Oh, did he write it? He wrote it, and there's a there's a woman, I can't remember her name, directing Mia it. Costa? I'm giving him credit for it because he wrote it, and because I can't remember her name, the director. Okay. Her name is Nia 
DaCosta is who is directing Nia DaCosta. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to remember that. Yeah. You were so close. But her, Peel, and then a Wynn Rosenfeld also helped with the screenplay for the new Candyman that's coming out. I, I, I really, really cannot wait to see what they are doing with that. So, fun fact, the story about a murderer coming through the bathroom vanity is true. Oh. It happened in Chicago. Really? Uh-huh. And so that's that's fun. But I felt weird about that scene because she just pushes the other mirror out and I'm like, is it broken? There was no sound. What happened to the yeah, other yeah, mirror? Yeah. Also, I found the apartments really interesting when she talked about how they were, how her apartments were originally built as the housing project as uh-huh. well and how they have the same layouts, which first off, I was like, that's real big, but whatever. Yeah. Movie world. But I thought that was really interesting, and it made me think about the mirroring in us. Uh-huh. And, oh, yeah. And so uh, I feel like there's more to go down on that road, but we're recording this on Daylight Savings Time Day, and so I haven't gone down that road further than that. I'm just going to throw that out there so other people can have fun chewing on and, it. And I haven't had coffee because... Daylight Savings Time. Daylight Savings Time. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I think there's interesting DNA with, with this. Mm-hmm. It's just not there. Man, there's so many cigarettes in this movie. So much smoking. Holy <laughs> shit. And were they smoking in a high school? Yeah, probably. Was that the, the beginning they were smoking inside No, the it was school? a college because they said the, the freshmen. No, at first I thought it was a high school as well. Okay. Since we had Ted Raimi, you know, play a high school student. <laughs> Yeah. When he first walked in, my brain went, "Oh, it's a Raimi." <laughs> I wasn't. I couldn't remember which one it was, but I recognized it definitely as a Raimi. <laughs> it just made me laugh. It's like, and he was a bad boy. I'm like, have you met Ted? Have you like talked to Ted? He's a big geek. He's a big like, skinny geek. <laughs> like I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be throw nonsense at Ted because I like Ted. Oh yeah, but no, I think we would be friends with Ted. Yeah, but it's like. Have you met him? Like, I mean, I understand putting the leather jacket on him. Woo. When they were in the restaurant, I was like, holy shit, I can smell this scene. <laughs> so I'm just going to throw this out as a life pro tip for, for all of you listeners out there. Uh, the way that Helen talks to this strange child that she's met, don't ever speak to strange children this way. Don't ask them to keep secrets for you. Don't take them no. away from where you found them. No. Don't lead them into dangerous situations no. in which gang members might fucking murder them. Just, in general, treat a strange child as you would a lost fawn or a baby bunny. And just leave it there. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I agree completely. Oh, she did all those things. I'm like, oh, you're right. It was terrible. I was just like, holy shit. Where did this child come from? Why is he just there? Don't lead him away from his home. His mother may be searching for him. I mean, it was clear that she wasn't by the end of the movie. At which point I'm like, okay, so you've done all of the things you should not do. And you have discovered that there is in fact no milk line on this baby bunny that you have found. Please take it in for rescue. Don't just leave it. 
I think I was too traumatized by when they actually go into the bathroom to actually unpack all of what you just said. <laughs> because that's a lot of shit on that wall. That is That is so yeah. much shit on that wall. Like Oh, I really wanted it to be chocolate. Was it shit? It was absolutely shit, Donna. Damn. Like Doctor. I really wanted it to be No, I I listen, I wanted it to be chocolate. Okay. <laughs> listen to what I'm saying. I wanted it. To this be was multiple people. This wasn't one human. This was <laughs> This was one human with a severe gastrointestinal problem. It started on one wall, went across another, and probably was a and little... it had depth. That yeah. It had texture. It was like they had a full piece of shit in their hand as if it were chalk and were just... You talk about smelling scenes. I feel like I smelled that scene. Where you smelled the restaurant scene. I actively did not. I was like, ah, turn imagination off. Thank you. <laughs> Same. I had, I had a very similar conversation <laughs> with myself. Nope, we're not imagining that. <laughs> not going to do that. I think that the restaurant scene was sort of like unavoidable because it was just like, ah, oh, yes. I too was around in the 80s and 90s. I recall restaurants that looked much like this. But that scene, I was like, ah, oh, I've never actually been in a bathroom cover with shit. So this is going to be full full conjuration here, and I don't have to do that. <laughs> That's fair. So when the gang Candyman that attacks her, since we're in the bathroom there, yeah. Billy made an interesting observation, and I hadn't thought about it, but now I'm kind of like, so basically it was just to give her a black eye? Like, yeah. there was a lot of people there, like, that, not that I wanted it, but that attack... In theory, it should have led to a rape or murder or both. Yes. It should have been a lot worse than, oh, look at my really gnarly black eye. It's a weird thing, isn't it? Where it's like the movie's playing on that gang panic and the ultra-violence of gang... Uh, the, the, the ultra-violence mm-hmm. that they were telling us that gangs had. And it, the movie is fully fucking willing to murder people and to be highly suggestive of dubious consensual sexual relationships. It even moments before talked about cutting off the penis of a... Another urban legend. Yeah, of a developmentally... Yeah, another urban legend. Of a developmentally disabled person. And yet it will not touch the fucking white woman beyond giving her a black eye. Mm -hmm. And that's fucking weird. It is. And problematic. Like, I'm not saying that I want you to rape the white woman, but at this point, I think maybe you have to rape the white woman and at least attempt her murder. There's an out-of-context quote for you. (laughs) Man, if people started taking my quotes out of context, I'm fucked. Like, that is the end of my public career entirely. Adrian Mesmer says, (laughs) rape the white women and maybe murder them. That's the title of your autobiography, isn't it, Adrian? <laughs> you know what? Sure, yeah, yeah, I can go. I can go with that. Oh my gosh! Okay, but you are right, though. Like you won't, you will do all of this, and you will talk about this. But it's like, oh, whoa, whoa! Mm-hmm. You know, not that I want to see that happen. I don't. But if you're playing on this panic, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're building up these urban legends, and that literally all they did was hit her once and then walk away. Yep. In yep. this, in this. Like, in this place where the basically the cops have said, oh, no, like, they've got free reign. They can do whatever they want. And they gave her a black eye. Now, somebody did make a comment not much later on about how that's what it took to get the cops down here was to hurt a white woman. They did, yeah. But 
So they, they were kind of hanging a lantern on that. But what is he being arrested for? Is like is he just getting like a slap on the wrist for fucking assault? Yeah. Well, that's what they're saying that the assault got him arrested, but they're also now take this as you will, but they're saying he murdered Ruthie Jean, which maybe he did, maybe he didn't. You've got another dynamic of we got an unsolved crime, let's pin it on this guy that could or could not be well, and you know, the, the, the only giving her a black eye thing, I think sort of undercuts another message that they could have had in this movie. Because, for instance, whenever they forcibly institutionalize her, I was thinking that if they sort of followed this thread a little bit more or had built it up better, they could also have an like a subplot going on here of like the hysteria quote unquote, the hysteria of white women and the way that like, and I am not at this moment saying that white women have it as bad as like women of color because, oh man, you guys are playing on hard mode. But the way that white women are like, this thing is bad. And then like white men are like, "Mm, but is it? Maybe you're not really allergic to bees. You're just scared. And so I felt like they could have played this up. They could have had this be an undercurrent, but they didn't. Yeah. There, it feels like there's just a lot of missed opportunity. And maybe yeah. a lot of that is just that this was made in the 90s and you didn't have those. Well, you're not as, for lack of a better term, woke. woke. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. you're... And so that, I think that's what makes this film interesting is that we can now go back and watch it with modern eyes. Yeah. If you will. And see missed opportunities, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Really excited about the new one. <laughs> um, now that I've seen this one, I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Oh, I really love that even the Candyman asks for consent. Would you like to elaborate on that? Be my victim. And she hasn't said yes, so he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, he, like she, she doesn't say yes, and so she's not... Now, I'm not saying that he's not, like, forcing her consent. It's still not full-on enthusiastic but consent. But he asked for it. But he asked. I, I mean, side note, too. If Tony Todd asked you to be his victim, I mean, the... Answer is yes. I don't care who you are. (laughs) I'm just not made of stone here, ladies and gentlemen. Also, I do, I would like to suggest an alternate version of this movie or a spinoff, if you will. Jordan Peele, if you're listening. Candyman Adventures in Babysitting. Uh, Because I just want to know, the time is real real wonky in this movie, but they Uh establish at one point that she's been in the institution for a month. Uh Uh-huh. And so I just want to know, what was life like for Candyman and little baby Anthony? Yeah. Yeah, there was one point he walked up and he put his finger in Anthony's mouth. And I was like, what are you giving that baby, Uh Candyman? Oh, I figured it was honey. Like, because of the whole bee thing. Okay, I like that. I like that, too. But, okay, so here's, did he change Anthony's diaper? With that hook? Yeah. Yeah, no, I had the same thought. It's been a month. Mm -hmm. It's been a month? Uh Uh-huh. I just, I want that, I want that side story. Just give me a short, like a 10 minute short. I'll take it. These are all good questions. (laughs) I had not thought about these things because I just was like, okay, yeah. I kind of want to have a secret room in my house where you have to crawl through the mirror and then climb up a stack of boxes into the apartment above. I want a secret room like that. I would, I would enjoy that. Yeah. 
I would I would tell myself I'm gonna keep all of my treasures here and then depressingly remember I don't have any. I would have forgotten that I'd put my treasures there. And then, <laughs> then I would go up there and be like Oh, yeah. That's where I put this. <laughs> Alternately, I would consistently be like, where's my fucking cat? Um, other bad things. That anchor woman. <laughs> like, I was just thinking, you can't even find a person in Hollywood that can convincingly act like she's reading off of a teleprompter. <laughs> like, Just have her read off a teleprompter. Yeah, what? would this scene have legitimately been better were she just reading from a teleprompter? <laughs> Unless the actress was like that awful Liberty Mutual commercial where he's like, can I ad-lib? Liberty Biberty. Maybe that was this actress was the original. <laughs> let me put a spin on it. Yeah. Let me, let me pitch you this. Can I come out of the water? <laughs> Maybe that was the case with her. To balance things out, I really liked the lightning cuts they did. Uh, I thought those were really good and really effective. The lightning cuts were good, and there's some visual aspects that I think are beautiful. When she's crawling through the walls, and you have that mural of Candyman's face and her coming out of his yes. mouth. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite shots in the book. Nice. <laughs> One of my favorite shots, like, and I, and when I was watching it, I was like, "This shot coming up." I was like. This is one of them. Yeah, that was a good one. But that then leads me to one of my big questions. What was up with the pile of candy on the floor? I mean, I know, don't get me wrong. I get his name as Candyman, but pile of candy with razor blades was no, no part of his story. Here's a fun question, Donna. And I, don't answer this because I'm sure you know the answer. Okay. Why was his name Candyman? I don't know. Exactly. I have ex- no ex- idea. Exactly. They, they certainly were not calling him Candyman in the 1800s. That was definitely not his name in the 1800s. Would you be surprised if I told you that they were? Sure. Yes, Because I would. that's his fucking name. <laughs> his name. Is Grandville T. Candyman. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, they actually... And, you know, you can call this lazy writing or whatever. They had no real backgrounds for any of those characters Mm -hmm. and let the actors come up with it. Oh. And so Tony Todd came up with, like, the whole thing about uh, Candyman having been the son of a slave and and falling in love with a white woman and all that. That is completely from Tony Todd's brain. Hmm. Well, I know we'll give that a little bit more, you know... Since that was his, he he came up with the backstory. That's like, all right, I'll give you, yeah. And the question I had through most of the last half of the movie: What happened to Candyman's baby? I mean, the original, you know, the actual, the guy who got the woman pregnant. What happened to that baby? Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen the sequel, but I feel like the sequel probably answers that. Okay. There's two sequels. Okay, one of them probably, one of the two sequels probably. Mm-hmm. I always hear people talk about Farewell to the Flesh. Mm-hmm. I don't even, I didn't know there was a. I think the third one came out in like 2001 or something. I assume it's not good because I was fully like capable. Like I was watching movies. <laughs> I was picking them on my own and leaving the house to go see them in 2001. And I did not know until Googling things. All right. Back to your candy question. So this is what I always thought okay. it was. Uh, the kids because his name's Candyman, leaving him candy as a offering, but also a way to kill him. Because you talk, remember, Jake talks about that Jake, the, the bonfire, he's the one that sets it to trap and kill Candyman. Oh. So you have kids leaving candy with razor blades in it, basically a way to 
Interesting. I thought the razor blades were just a call out to the Halloween yeah. urban legend. Um, and it could be that too. In the book. <laughs> uh, it's not actually a book. It's a short story called The Forbidden from Books of Blood 5 by Clive Barker. In that, first off, she's not a... She's not doing a thesis on urban legends. She's doing a thesis on graffiti, which TBH makes a lot more fucking sense. And she finds all of that graffiti and she keeps seeing sweets for the sweets or sweets to the sweet. And um, there's really no background or reasons given for the existence of the candy man, but there is candy. There's no razor. Well, I don't think there were razor blades. Maybe there were. But yeah, there's candy left there. He's not called the candy man in the book. I don't think he's called anything in the book. Yeah. Okay. Also, he's not black in the book. Oh. Reading the book and watching the movie, it's they're like they're really using the term based on loosely. Very loosely. Are we doing the new Candyman when it comes out? Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's why we're doing this one now. Excellent. I'm excited about it. I have so many questions about the lore of this movie. Um, (laughs) (laughs) For serious. I read the book. I read the fucking short story that it's based on, and I have so many questions about the lore of this movie. Like, I, I understand that Tony Todd came up with the background and everything. Did they not name the movie until after he came up with the name Granville T. Candyman? I guess not. Or were they calling it the Candyman, and that's why he came up with the name? I kind of feel like it's that. That they were calling it Candyman, because that's a... There's too many little things that it seems like would be weird to do like a late in production you know what i mean uh-huh. for it not to be Candyman to begin with does it feel like there are too many things happening with him yes like, oh yeah okay he's got a hook hand and we're pulling that from the hook right yeah he's bloody mary he's bloody mary and also bees <laughs> yeah also no, he's full of bees no there is a it is the film is very busy. Yeah. Like, busy. Biz. I'm so sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I have always thought the third act is a mess. And I think it is very... Shit. It's very busy and it is... There's so much going on. And I think that is one of the problems with that third act. Mm-hmm. Is that... It because you have that, and I that was always one of the things I couldn't always put my finger on what was what was wrong. Like I always knew there was something, and you know, listening to Donna talk about this, you know, her first watch and not really knowing what the fuck is going on, and it's that right there. Everything else kind of leading up to it, it's like okay, I can follow that, but that third act, it starts going off the fucking rails. That's when yep. you got. The third act is when you should start getting answers. Yeah. And instead of giving us answers, they give us uh, the end of The Shining. It's always been you. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and for me, and I don't know about both of you, when it goes off the rails is basically when she uses Candyman at, at her beck and call. Yeah. It's that scene in the doctor's office where she's like, 
oh, hey, Candyman, can you help, baby? I just want to know what the fuck was supposed to happen. Like, what did she think was going to happen? Like, He was going to walk out and go, hello, I am the Candyman. Yeah, like, I'm going to call him, and he's going to show up, and we're going to have a nice, chill talk with my therapist, in which he realizes, oh, she's not crazy. This dude just comes out of the mirror. Okay, cool. Like, what the fuck? That scene baffles me. Yes. <laughs> but that's, that's what I'm talking about. It's like, right there, it's like, you called him. He's known for killing people. You've got a whole fucking study about this. Mm-hmm. What, what, what was going to happen, Helen? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fucking bizarre. Like, like the, the whole movie, like, because that's the point where they're like, it's been a month. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Like, the, the, the passage of time was not super clear prior to this. Mm-hmm. But at least there was like, oh, the baby might still be alive. By reasonable means that don't involve the candy man changing diapers. <laughs> or feeding him, yeah. Um, but I keep calling him the, the candy man, but I don't think there's a the in her wizard. Baby's like candy. I'll give him candy. <laughs> actually, if candy man is his actually name, that makes sense. It, it always bothered me that there wasn't a the on it. But if his name is actually candy man. If his name were actually candy man, though, wouldn't it be pronounced like candy man? Probably. Probably. Like you say, the third act was just baffling up. This was the point where I was like, I genuinely have no idea what the fuck is going on. I thought maybe I had it figured out. No, I don't know what's going on. I don't. And, like, does he want to kill her? Does he not want to kill her? I don't understand. Um, Okay, now we're in a bonfire? All right. Cool, cool. Suddenly Wicker Man. Suddenly Wicker Man. (laughs) need answers for everything. I mean, I fucking love Annihilation, and there are no answers. Zero answers in Annihilation. So, like, I don't need them, but if you're asked, like, if you present me a question that you could narratively answer without making the movie worse, I feel like you should do that. And I feel like at no point did this movie attempt. Mm -hmm. I don't think it had the answers, and I don't think it was interested in giving them. Yeah. You know, and especially... As you've read the source material. I Okay, so here's what's in the source material that is similar in this movie. There's a woman named Helen. She is doing a thesis. Not on the same thing, but she is doing a thesis. Uh, there are these apartments that are terrible. They've just fallen into disrepair. People still live in them. Uh, there's graffiti on the doors of the apartments that people live in. She thinks there might be a dog trapped in the apartment where she finds the Candyman graffiti. But the dog is never confirmed. So dog, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a woman named Anne-Marie who is white with blonde hair. Anne-Marie has a child who is named Carrie. Okay. Interesting. Uh, So the the movie just inserted all the racial stuff into it. Yep. Okay, go ahead. I mean, there was some sort of class... Is Clive Clive Barker British? Yeah. Okay, so it's very British. They have okay. tea at one fucking point. Uh-huh. Um, Anne-Marie invites her in for tea. Um, so the graffiti of the face and the door is there. Um, a lot of the lines like, be my victim, stuff like that, it is stuff that he says to Helen. She does nothing to really summon him other than be present in that room with the graffiti uh-huh. and ask a lot of fucking questions. It seems that Anne-Marie actually sacrifices her son uh. to Candyman. Because the kid fucking spoiler, the kid dies in the story, and then there's a whole thing about how Anne Marie didn't like the kid is estimated to have died at six a.m. and Anne Marie doesn't call the cops until afternoon. Okay, 
And that's sort of really where all of the symbol like that's that's it. That's da 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 the end. Oh, Helen's husband is in the book, but I don't know if they're married. And he's not like she's not mad that he's cheating on her. Like she knows, and it's like a vague annoyance to her. Mm. Okay. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> um. So yeah, all the racial stuff is added in the movie. Like there's class things, there's class issues. So that's so basically the they inserted the racial issues since this is going to be an American film mm-hmm. where we wouldn't have gotten all the class issues. Yeah. yeah. So that's basically the flip. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Does it seem like an awful lot of work to kill somebody by smashing beehives and smearing them with honey? That seems like a lot of unnecessary work. Candyman's death feels like when you're a teenager and you're playing D&D and you got that dude in your group that wants to play the edgelord, like undead, revenant, whatever. Like he just watched The Crow. And and he wants to play the revenant, and so he comes up with this this long drawn out death with so many unnecessary details. Yeah, that's what the Candyman's murder sounds like. Yeah, (laughs) like if I just I don't want to kill anybody. I really don't. But if I wanted to kill somebody and I wanted to make it unpleasant, I could find ways to do that that did not involve. I think five, five right right now. Yeah, and. Yeah, none of them involved. Because also, like, you're not doing that to beehives without also... Yes. Like, that's a that's a murder-suicide attempt right there. Yeah, I don't... Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think they had full beekeeping suits in the 1800s. And so that means that all the dudes that lynched Candyman also got stung by bees. And no. Well, and it just seemed... I don't know. Like That's part of the, the busyness of the whole thing. <laughs> Um, where he's got, they saw off his hand, and then I guess he doesn't bleed out. Which he totally would have. While they have time to do all this other stuff and die of bee stings. And, I don't know, it feels like there are, like, I'm about to go to a real dark place here, so all apologies. But I feel like there's probably plenty of examples of white dudes killing black men in horrific ways that are both scarier Mm. and more true to the things that this movie is trying to do than that. It was like they were just like, well, there's bees in the book, so we better put bees in him. Why are there bees in the book? Uh, Because bees, man. Bees, man. Because suddenly Wicker Man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do we have anything else? I feel like when you're playing with these themes... You have to be so careful yeah. because you can just make so many unintended um, morals. So this like lately, like you can make it end up being like a twisted Aesop so easily because I feel like what this movie wanted to be and probably what um, Nia DaCosta's movie Mm -hmm. is going to be is more of a commentary, like, like, totally guessing, but just based on the fact that Jordan Peele is producing it and helped with the writing and all of that, is that this is going to be a better look at race and the fucked up shit that we as a country fucking do. And I just feel like in this movie, they end up very much making it feel like if it weren't for the white savior, these black people would just keep killing each other. Yeah, oh, no, it's definitely, 
You get that. Yeah. Now, in 92, you probably didn't. But watching it now... Oh, yeah. I feel like in 92 you did, but it was something that was just part of the general static of the world. Uh And it's, you know, now that... Yeah, so... She probably lifted them all out of poverty with her death, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Can we talk? Like, what the fuck? First off, why were they so late to her funeral? And secondly, why were they all in such, like, never mind, I've answered my own question. They were so late because they all needed to arrange themselves in a motherfucking parade. (laughs) What? (laughs) I just... (sighs) (sighs) I don't normally like gotchas at the end of the movie, at the ends of movies, um, because they're mostly annoying. Like, I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, I know there's going to be a sequel, calm down. Like, you don't have to just put this here. It's fine. Open your next movie with it. But I did... I find it both funny and kind of um, satisfying at the end when he's looking in the mirror and he goes, Oh, Helen. Yes. Helen. And we were counting. We were like, one, two. All right. I think it was on the third Helen that I went, Oh, shit. As soon as he said it the once, I was like, Here we go. Let's do the countdown. Um, However, at that moment, I also thought, Man, could they have made it three? They could have made it three. I really feel like five is too many at this moment. Mm -hmm. We have surpassed the point of, yes, this is natural in the way that human beings speak. And gone into the... It did feel very forced. Like, maybe he could have just gone, oh, Helen, Helen, Helen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Helen. You know, but the the drawn out Mm -hmm. um, did not feel natural. I am a human being. (laughs) Using, Using words as... One does when one is a human. Exactly. With a human brain. Human brain. Also, I like that they put, like, quote, that they make sure we know that uh, the new undergrad is lesser than Helen. Um, And we can tell that because she doesn't really know how to cook. And she's sort of like, ugh, in the kitchen. And she's wearing a shirt made of morning dew and gossamer. With no bra. With no bra. And the most erect nipples that have ever existed. Yeah. I don't even think she wore a bra when we first met her. The shirt at least was very covered, but I don't think there was a bra on that first time either. Mm. Um, yeah, maybe not. I didn't notice quite as much. Well, they're too busy focusing on her ass, so it, it, yeah. it's a little, uh, a little hard. So, a little hard? <laughs> oh, I gotta, gotta finish full sentences here. Uh, <laughs> a little hard not to notice. There we go. <laughs> I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm very tired. Let's wrap it up. All right. Well, Adrian, Mm -hmm. you have our quote. Uh, Yeah. So the quote from the movie is, they will say I have shed innocent blood, but what is blood if not for shedding? Which is pretty good. I like that quote a lot, but I wanted to read it from the book because in the book, it makes more sense for both, for everything. Like, I'm like, why is this not in the movie? Because this... This backs up the uh, urban legends. They will say your doubts shed innocent blood, but I say what's blood if not for shedding. See, that just, that changes everything and it fixes quite a bit. Yeah, well, because he said you doubted me and so yeah. I came. And, I'm, and it also, like, the whole idea of urban legend is believing in it. And so, yeah, I don't understand why they changed the first part of that line. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, I like that one. Well, I have our poll, which is, what are some urban legends you remember or tried growing up? I defo tried Bloody Mary, and it was terrifying. 
And I did not go into... I, well, let me rephrase, because I was about to put this in the past tense. To this day, I reach into the bathroom and find the light switch before I go into that fucking bathroom. <laughs> and if the power is out, which occasionally happens... I take a cat into the bathroom with me, or I put something in the door jam so that door will not close, because I am a fucking adult, and I am still terrified of the fact that I did Bloody Mary. <laughs> I did Bloody Mary, I think I was nine? But I did it with somebody else, like a slumber party kind of thing, you know? I always did it with other people present, um, but not in the bathroom. You had to go into the bathroom alone and do it. Yeah, see, I always did it with other people. The time I did it, I did it with somebody, so I guess I didn't technically do it, but I remember that one. That one I can actually say I did. I always remember, though, the rumors of Crybaby Bridge, and that thing terrified me. I've tried to find Crybaby Bridge. Well, what I find interesting with Crybaby Bridge is that, and I, of course, you know, as a kid, you don't think this, but every area has one. Yeah. Why you explain Crybaby Bridge? The the urban legend is uh, there was a mother walking home and she either I can't remember. I thought, I thought it was basically a woman with postpartum who threw her child over the side of the bridge. Yeah, what Adrian said is basically. But I know there was a walking home, hence why on the bridge. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the postpartum the baby wouldn't stop crying. Yeah, like, and so like she it, it kept crying and crying and crying, and she you know, she tried feeding it. She she tried going on a walk with it. Yeah. She tried to help it go to sleep. She changed it. She did everything she knew how to do, and it wouldn't stop crying. And it wouldn't stop crying, and it drove her crazy. So she threw it over the bridge. Yeah. So and the rumor is there's a bridge. Which, depending on where you're at, mm -hmm. that if you go there during a certain time, you will hear the baby crying. Oh. Hence, crying. We, I did find one that was supposed to be it, and we went there, and there was no baby crying. So, yeah, there is. Okay. I just want you guys to know that if there is a way to be captured by supernatural creatures, I've probably fucking done it. <laughs> and I'm still here, probably. So. <laughs> uh, and then, those are the two that... I remember and know out of the two, probably the crybaby bridge scared me the most only because I didn't know where it was. We went to, and I don't know how much of this is urban legend because I actually never attempted to do any research on this place, but I have some friends that are from Tarleton, Oklahoma, and there was this place called the Longhorn and legend has it that it was a, what was it first? Okay, I don't remember the order that some of these go in, but it was a dance hall at one point, and this guy asked this girl to go with him, and she said no, like, she said she was busy or something, and so he goes there that night anyway, and there she fucking is with some other asshole, and so he goes to his truck, and he gets a shotgun, and he kills her, and so then the dance hall closes down, and they make it into a school, and um, at one point, something happens... And somebody dies. And so then later, in like the 80s or whatever, they're like, well, we're going to make this into a skating rink. And so they're starting on the remodeling process. And um, something, like some of the, the uh, supplies that they had up on the, on the roof or in the attic or whatever fell through and killed a bunch of the workers. And um, I think there was one or two other little like phases of stuff. And so... Obviously, we went there. <laughs> and um, there were a couple, like, you could hear coyotes. Because, you know, Terrellson's fucking tiny. There's, like, nothing. And so you could hear coyotes. And uh, coyotes sound a lot like people. And so that was fun. And um, there were, like, shotgun shells out back 
where supposedly the woman was killed. And, like, you could still find some of the school things inside. And, like, there were little bits of all of the things that it was supposed to have been. Which, looking back on it now, I'm like, that's weird. They never cleaned. Nobody picked up these fucking shotgun shells. <laughs> and I'm sitting here like, you guys did that on purpose. Like, you, you know, it's like, here's the story. So let's just leave. Like, Ooh. well, that's the thing I started thinking is I was like, oh, people just fucking set it up. Like, they just put this stuff here to be like, see, here's those shotgun shells. Now, I was, will say it was fucking creepy. Like, there was one room of this place where the floor was rotting. So, like if you stepped on it, you would just slowly start sinking. And that was an entirely bizarre feeling. I, I have had that happen. I've, I've had a floor sink out under, underneath me. And I was like, oh, this is, this is scary. Someone needs to help me now. This is, this is the moment that cartoons have prepared me for with the quicksand. <laughs> um, and my friend, Kaz, I love Kaz. He, at one point, disappeared. And we had all been sort of like separated and walking around. And it was, it was me and Kaz and Jay and, um, Akshal. And so we're all walking around and Kaz disappears and we're like, all right, time to leave. And we go to leave and we're like, where the fuck is Kaz? And so we're searching and we're looking for him and we're calling him and the coyotes are fucking getting closer because we're just making all kinds of noise. I think they would have gotten close and then eventually left because I feel like at some point coyotes have been like, hmm, there's a lot of them and a couple of them are very big. Let's leave. <laughs> So then we're like, we cannot find Kaz. What the fuck? And there was a ladder up to the attic, but the ladder was really, really rickety. And they were like, hey, Adrian, you're the only one small enough to go up that ladder safely. You need to go see if Kaz is up there. And I was like, nope. (laughs) I'm sorry, Kaz, if you're up there, this is where you die. I'm going home now. Um, But I did eventually go up and it was terrifying like the climb up that ladder Mm -hmm. and like knowing that my head needed to go up into this dark space that I had yet to see and of course because of who we were we only brought a couple of flashlights and so I'm like I've got my digital camera because this was back in that day and so I'm like turning on the flash like click okay nothing's up there there click okay nothing's on that side click all right we're good um, which honestly, if you're going to go explore a haunted place, I highly suggest that method. It's great. <laughs> and Kaz was laying up there in the attic and like to this day, he'll be like laying and, okay. but he was all the way at the end. Like I had to go up there and then I had to walk down this one plank in the middle because you couldn't walk on the attic floor. And to this day, he's like, I don't know what happened. And I'm like, you motherfucker. <laughs> but he has maintained it for fucking years now. So. Good on Kaz. All right. What about you, Donna? I have never tried a single one, which isn't so much out of uh, fear as... Science? Science, yeah. I'm like, (laughs) that's dumb. I'm not doing that. Um, I do dearly love urban legends though i urban legends I love them so much are so my my absolute favorite is the kidney thief the emotional impact of the call 911 or you will die mm-hmm. um it's just but yeah i i love i love how they're you know like the like the kidney thief story is this innocent kid who goes to a party and this woman woman Gets him to go to a different party where there's no one and then drugs him and takes his kidneys. I mean, oh my God, you have to be careful out there in the world, young people. I love urban legends. That's that's my favorite is the kidney thief story. I like... I also love... 
Aren't you glad you didn't turn on the lights? Yes, that's the exact that's, one I was about yes. to say. Aren't you I glad love, you didn't turn on the lights? I love that one so much because that one plays into so many of my fears where, like, if you just don't look, nothing bad can happen. Yeah. And just the knowledge that when you turn on the light, that's when everything gets fucked. Yeah. I love that one. Mine is the uh, person in the backseat of the car. <gasps> high oh. beams. High beams. <laughs> high beams is, if we're, if we're talking favorites, that's my favorite, is uh, high beams. High beams is the reason that I, again, to this fucking day, check the back of my oh, car. Oh, yeah. Same. Same, same, same. Mm. All right. Well, I have a rule, which is... Can we just do a side podcast on Urban Legends someday? Because I just want to talk about them more. Yes. Let's do a special episode sometime. Okay. Oh, no. I just made a note of the Urban Legends movie. So we'll, we can <gasps> circle back to that. We should do that because that's movie, that movie is hot garbage. So we'll have yeah. lots of other things to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's, there's a lot of pretty people in that movie. Like That's the CW casting era of horror movies. Oh, definitely. But, yeah, we'll, we'll discuss that. Uh, our rule is don't investigate urban legends with a nosy white woman. Yeah. Yeah. Don't go with me. <laughs> I don't know, maybe my Native American blood offers me some some little semblance of safety here, but probably not because now I'm a token. That's true. I am yeah. a whitewashed token. These are true truths. Mm. No, honestly, if, if you find yourself thinking we're probably in a horror movie, don't follow me seriously. <laughs> well, I, on the other hand, am Irish and Irish and a little bit of Irish, so I'm gonna live. I'm, I'm gonna live. Uh, I would probably be the the sacrificial one because because you're not the virgin. I'm not the virgin, <laughs> but I'm also I am the mystical Native American, so I would be the one saying let's don't do this, and then I would be killed to make an example and also be a little tropey. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're gonna get killed to be an example because of the two of us, you do look more Native American than I do. I've got the bone structure and the teeth, and that's like it. Um, Wait, the teeth? Yeah, I have I have Native American teeth. I don't know what that means. They're like small. And really tough, and they don't do anything. They're like, you're gonna have this Invisalign for like a year, and now I'm on like year three, so I don't know what the fuck ever. Invisalign forever, I guess. Okay, well, I've learned something now. Maybe I only have my family's teeth. Like, I have the same teeth of all of my Native American cousins. I hadn't heard the teeth thing, so I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna get killed because I'm genre savvy, but also because I'm gonna go in their room anyway. Like, I'm going to be like, this is a bad plan. I'm going to be Matthew Lillard is what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> <today. laughs> All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, we do appreciate it. Uh, we are on social media. We uh, have a Twitter page, which is at Beyond Cabin. I'm on Twitter at Callista77. Sooner DVM. I'm Junkyard Poet. Uh, we Aren't do you Saint of Unicorns? I'm Saint of Unicorns on Instagram. Which okay. you we can also, also follow me on Instagram at Saint of Unicorns. Yes. Which we also have an Instagram, which is Beyond the Cabin in the Woods. Uh, same as our Facebook page. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Calista77. Don't follow me on Instagram. You'll be disappointed. Uh, but we also have a webpage, which is BeyondTheCabinInTheWoods.com. We are part of the Gumby Cat Network, so check them out. Give them a listen. As always, thank you, Billy, our awesome editor for... Hey, Billy! For uh, keeping us sounding fantastic. Fabulous. Uh, and join us next episode because we are going to be discussing the new film, A Quiet Place 2. Bye, everybody. Don't read the Latin. Do you know what horror is? Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people. <laughs>